Happy fall, David McKinney. I know. Happy fall. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. I was going to sing the song, but I think we are legally not allowed to because I don't think that the happy birthday song is in the public domain. It has to be right. No, because if you go to like Chili's or whatever and tell them it's your birthday, they can't sing that song. They have to make up another song. Hmm. I don't know. If, I don't even know if Chili still exists anymore, but <laughs> there's other places too that I don't. Or maybe they just like their own birthday song. I don't know. I've always heard that it's technically not in the public domain, but there is plenty of music that is. That we'll have to look into that. That's that seems wrong. TBD. Is somebody making royalties on the Happy Birthday song? <laughs> I guess your birthday's coming up. My birthday is this Friday, since it's released on Monday. Your birthday was... Last Saturday. Last Saturday. My Mm -hmm. wife's birthday was on Friday, is on Friday as we speak, but when this comes out, it was on Friday. And I'm doing something I've never done before, and she's luckily not here, so I can say it. You're breaking down the fourth wall with all this time talk. I know. I don't even... Whatever. So, when you're (laughs) listening to this... It's after Monday, yes, October, whatever. So I threw my wife a surprise party for her birthday. Now, is she into... I hate surprises. So, yeah. So we're still in the past. It hasn't happened yet, obviously. But what I'm... My plan is, because I'm getting food catered, and I'm getting a uh, ice cream pie from Grater's. You ever had Grater's ice cream? Yes. So they have ice cream cake, but they also have ice cream pie, which I've never had, and it sounds delicious. So I'm just going to tell her, like, hey, I'm going to go get the food, get ready for your party, uh, like, a couple hours before. Because she's going to want to know at least, like, two hours before. Like, she's not going to want, like, people popping out from behind the couch. That's not – she's not into that. Yeah, I did that for my wife once. Went over pretty well. It was a small group, but – Yeah, this is a small group. I mean, this is a COVID-friendly group. So, well, good. I had uh, for my birthday. Uh, it was awesome. You know, forty is a milestone, especially when you when your birthday is just days before. Um, like my birthday is just two days before my son's birthday, so he probably from here on out will take forefront. Over, like nobody cares when you turn forty-one. I know that's. I'm in. I'm thirty-one this year, so. Yeah, so you, you your birthday doesn't matter for nine more years. I feel like 40 is a good milestone. But uh, disclaimer, I'm going to be talking about some interesting things that have happened to me since I've turned 40. Uh, stuff that you don't even know about yet. But so my wife, we talked about this. She planned um, planned a weekend with my friends. I had, you know, my my core friend group from like middle school on. We all got together. Um, one of, one of them turns 40 this month as well. So it was kind of like we went to his house, doubled up on that, had a cake. We had bourbon slushies. Uh, we had steaks and awesome food on Friday night. And on Saturday we went to a couple distilleries, which were both of them awesome in their own right. And it was funny because one of the main points of one distillery was totally trumped by the next one. (laughs) So it's, uh, it was interesting to see, but, uh, so, and now I'm 40. 
So a lot to unpack there. So first of all, mm-hmm. bourbon slushies. Do you use like cheap bourbon for that, or do you use good bourbon for that? Um, well, it was prepared when I got there, but so the bourbon slushie was lemonade, orange juice, iced tea, and Jim Beam. And you hate lemonade. I do, but I couldn't. The I really it it tasted just like a fruity slushy. It was so good. It's like a 2020 version of a Jello shot. Yeah, I mean, it was legit slut like a like a slush puppy. Amazing. What what you said it was Jim Beam. Jim Beam, yep. Yeah, I feel like that's a good go to. Was mm-hmm. it a lot of uh, heavy bourbon flavor? Were they like no it completely? It, it was like a slushy. It wasn't like complete, obviously completely frozen, not like a popsicle. Right. And it was one of those that sneak up on you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, the bourbon was well mixed. So, and masked. Yeah. Didn't get a lot of the, the alcohol liquor flavor. Uh, David, I didn't get a lot of the bourbon notes in this. <laughs> the bourbon flavored bourbon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so, you know, I've been holding on to a, a bottle of Weller's that we got way back uh, when we went to the brewery up in northern Kentucky, Wooden Cask. Yes. And let me tell you, that lasted tops, and I'm being generous, 40 minutes. <laughs> I remember on, that was the Friday, which is the day before your birthday, mm-hmm. right? You were you were messaging me and telling me Weller's is gone, and I'm like, it's like... Four thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I'm a very communal drinker when it comes to bourbon, and this was everybody had their cups out for yeah. Wellers. So the, my backup was Four Roses, and we drank the whole bottle of Four Roses as well. That's the cheap but, bourbon. But people that lasted way into the night. People were not as excited to get a to get a pour of Four Roses. <laughs> Was it just the regular Four Roses or like a single barrel or? It was just the regular, you know, $22 Four Roses. Uh, picked and, and so my, I think I found my daily drinker. Is Four Roses? No, because while, so Saturday, I we drank two bottles of bourbon on Friday night. Saturday for my bourbon selection, um, my wife went to the local liquor store and she's, and they had all, they had tons of stuff and they had like, um, a tasting area. They had Blanton's and Weller's and, and not just the, re- the Weller special reserve, all that, where you could buy it by the poor. Um, and I said, just, just pick me up a bottle of larceny. <laughs> that's yeah. That's my daily drinker too, I think. But, the so the liquor store, this was this in Louisville. Yes. You want to give them a shout out? Because that sounds cool. They have a tasting area, yes. you said. Um, so <laughs> I will I will tell you what it's called, and then I will tell you what the local people call it. Okay. It's Cox's Smoke Shack. <laughs> Smoke Shack and liquor or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to look at my seat. But everybody calls it Cox Smokers. Well, there you go. Going down to Cox Smokers. <laughs> yeah. Pick me up some uh, liquor. But, yeah, it was right there. Uh, we were off Westport Road, which is, you know, we're on the outskirts of Louisville, not really in the downtown area, more residential. Um, and so that's see, like the local liquor store. Yeah. See, I love Kentucky because it's not, I mean, everything is controlled by the state, but it's not state liquor agency. Like that's not, it's, you get a liquor license. 
obviously through the state in Ohio, everything is Ohio division of liquor control and everything is, you know, high and tight sort of thing. But uh, in Kentucky, it's kind of just anyone that, you know, we were, which it didn't survive, but we were talking with uh, wooden cask and they said they were, um, you know, really one of the catalysts to get more liquor license in Northern Kentucky. And that's one of the reasons why they started, you know, kind of being, you know, they made good friends with all the bourbon or, or all the distilleries and all the, and they you know, started getting good bourbon because they raised the liquor cap, a liquor license cap in Northern Kentucky. And wait, uh, did wooden cask not survive? No, no, no. So they, yeah. So the, our, our audio from wooden cask. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The lost episode. The lost episode. Yeah, but yeah. When uh, Randy from from uh, from one cast said, you know, they even though they're a brewery, they were one of the catalysts to really try to get more liquor license in the Northern Kentucky area. I guess they hadn't had any new liquor license in like twenty, fifteen, twenty years or something like that, and they really pushed to get more locations um, available to uh, to be able to carry liquor. That's interesting because my I live like centrally located in, in the town of Mount Sterling. In each direction, less than a mile is a liquor store. Like a legit full-blown <laughs> liquor store. Good stuff. Also, three of those are owned by three brothers. So shout out to the Colivers, but th- there's three Colliver brothers that own the three of the liquor there. stores. The fourth is their brother Kroger, who got, <laughs> went off and got big, right? Yeah, no, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the and time. you know it's uh, I've went into there and they've they all seem to be doing good on their own, which is interesting. Um, and you do not live, yeah, you don't live in a big town to where, No, I mean, you don't have any breweries, but you've got four liquor stores and one mm-hmm. stoplight. <laughs> There's more than one stoplight. And uh, eight stop signs to be exact. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so you went to two different distilleries, but so we're, we'll talk about the one because you're having bourbon from, uh, from one of them in mm-hmm. the show but what was the other one like the one so one was a more of a craft distillery the other one was a kind of a bigger uh i guess in terms of uh, one was the, so when it comes to like the history of bourbon one plays a major role and that was the stitzel weller distillery which is out in shively and um shout out to my friend jason ellis he rented us a party bus to take these distillery tours. So we got to Stitzel, Stitzel Weller a little late, but when you, when you hear the name, you think Wellers, right. And, um, their master distiller. I don't know if I told you this, uh, up until like, I think the sixties was Pappy Van Winkle. You did not tell me that. That's awesome. Yeah. So this, this was the spot for bourbon. Um, and now it's home to bullet, uh, blade and bow IW Harper, which by the way, if I was a little, if I had drank a little bit more, I would have bought a bottle of the IW Harper 15 year old bourbon because it was amazing. We did our tasting at the end and they had it on the side and they were doing $12 pours. And I ended up getting a couple, couple, couple birthday, um, pours, uh, but it was so good, man. I, and honestly, I'd never heard of it. 
um, which, you know, broadened my horizons on this. But so I'm listening to the stories and, you know, it's the, if you go to the distillery, it's the, it's the same. They go through the process of making bourbon and what it all means. And I got that down. Like I, I was maybe a little drunk when I got there uh, to the second distillery. I was like, Hey, just, we just want to go to the tasting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, yeah. Yeah. Pass. You know, cause they showed us the, uh, the one cool thing at Stitzelweller is they have like a micro distillery where they do experimental mashes and stuff like that. So, you know, they're, everybody's thinking about the future and what, you know, obviously it, 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 at least four years down the road, but they're thinking about new mashes and what they can add and this and that. And, you know, you learn about the, the mash bill where, you know, it has to be 50, at least 51% corn and what they do with the rest of it is, how you get all these varieties of bourbon, you know, bullet is a, is a heavier rye than most. And the yep. uh, blade and bow uh, was interesting because it was blade and bow started as like a mixture of just a bunch of different barrels. So they would have four year old, eight year old, 10 year old, 12 year old, all mixed. And I think it retails at about, they, they had it for sale there. It was about $79 at the distillery. Wow. Uh, the IW Harper was 150. The 15 year old IW Harper was 150. And then, you know, they had all the bullet you could stand to buy. So I'm engaged in our tour guide about Pappy and how, uh, why is it not brewed? Why is it not distilled here? And it was an amazing story because, you know, when Pappy got out of the business, he left it to his son, um, who messed around with it for a while and ended up going to the grandson. But, Back then, when they would, it was um, a case where you could distill. The law now is if you distill it, you have to bottle it there. Uh, but back then, they would distill it and then just they'd bottle it a bunch of different places. Um, and one their main main mash bill was Old Fitzgerald. Um, yeah. That's what that's what this distillery was it was mainly old fitzgerald and it's still on the you know on the big smokestacks and all that so pappy gets out of the business his son messes around with it the grandson kind of picks up on the family business um but and pappy had his recipe and they and you know looking back the guy was like 20 years ago you could buy pappy van winkle all day long every day 15 bucks wherever you go (laughs) right And this was also in the downturn of the bourbon industry when, you know, the, the clear spirits were kind of in the forefront. And so the, the Pappy son had sold off the brand, sold off Wellers to different people, sold off the, the Pappy, you know, so he had trying to capitalize on what they had just sold off the, you know, the brands. And they all go to different places and, you know, they still worked on their old Fitzgerald there, but you know, we all know Buffalo trace got the majority of it. Well, Pappy's grandson had these old barrels of his mash bill, 12, 15, up to 25 year old. And people liked it, but you could still buy the, you know, where he, he branched out and had them just had them bottled other places. You know, he just had the barrels and was trying, you know, trying to keep it going. Yeah. Luck would have it that he puts it into a tasting show. Uh, blind taste test. The Pappy Van Winkle destroys everybody. Obviously. 
Yes. And so now it's got the attention like, oh, what is this? So people start seeking it out. And, th- and this is the beauty of bur- there was only so many barrels of those at the time. So it wasn't like they could pop out, you know, a thousand bottles right away, you know, so the demand becomes high. The interest is high and and the inventory is low. Yes, <laughs> definitely and, very and, low. And we know that and I think Buffalo Trace keeps it that way. Um. And the Rick houses were all, you know, just the, if you go to, uh, the Stitzel Willer distillery website and you look, this is all early 1900s. And so one of the big things that they, that I didn't know until now, mostly because I'd never been to one of the, I thought I'd been to the older distilleries, but the, when bourbon came to Kentucky, they got to, you know, they got to be taxed. Right. So you get that liquor license number basically. Um, and if, so if you and I were to start a distillery today, our number would be in the 25,000s. <laughs> so we'd be pretty high. Yes. Uh, so Buffalo Trace is in the two fifties. Uh, Jim Beam is in the three hundreds. Um, you know, so that you're looking at some of the well-established bourbons in triple figures. What would you say the Stitzel Weller distillery number is? 18. So close, 16, oh. 16. And I'll tell you why that's significant when, when we go to taste the other bourbon. Um, so, you know, we had the, uh, we had bullet, which you've heard on the show. We had the IW Harper and then we had one of the, uh, bullet rye. And you so I, love bullet rye. listen, you would have loved, I wish you could have came. We drank a lot of rye whiskey because, uh, at the Peerless Distillery, that they their half of their tasting was rye, so it was an awesome time. I mean, it's a beautiful place, man. Like it's out in the country, it is beautiful. It almost it reminds me of a college campus. Um, mm. but everything's yeah. like that old antique. Like it's it was awesome. Yeah, look up uh, Sitzeweller Distillery. That I, <clears throat> I was just looking at some pictures of it online as you were kind of talking about it. But you mentioned it's the original. Uh, location of Old Fitzgerald. So I just this past week entered into lot into the Ohio uh, bottle lottery for Old Fitzgerald nine year and Old Fitzgerald fifteen year, uh, as well as Rock Hill Farms, which is supposed to be uh, basically the same mash bill as Blanton's. So we might be uh, and and then this week the lottery is uh, the big one is the uh, the birthday bourbon. So I know, uh, Good luck. yeah. So we might have to put some, uh, some, a couple extra names in there, but they've also got, uh, so this week, uh, week three of the Ohio bottle bottle lottery. And I, I won't know, um, until I think November, but this week you can put in for Mr. Sam, which I've never heard of, which is two fifty a bottle. King of Kentucky, which is two fifty a bottle, and Old Forester Birthday Bourbon, which is a hundred dollars a bottle, mm-hmm. and these are all retail prices, by the way. So you don't go looking and try to find <laughs> find mm-hmm. that for for that price unless you win some sort of you know lottery to try to get them at retail. But hopefully, uh, you know, like I've I've definitely been more into into the bourbon and not only bourbon collecting but bourbon drinking as well. So I. 
you know, hopefully we'll end up, you know, I've already got some good bottles that, you know, we've got a, we've been together, but we haven't drank as many of the the good bottles. We had the Jefferson's last week on last week's show with uh, national barks, a uh, huge shout out to them. Their EP um, came out. They had their biggest streaming weekend that they've ever had uh, as a band. Uh, people were definitely feeling the national barks vibes that first weekend of October. So huge shout out to them. And, uh, that might not be our last collaboration with national barks. So, uh, Adam and I, who is Adam's a professional brewer, but we've talked about getting together and brewing a beer beers and beards, national barks collaboration might be pretty good. The collab you all didn't know you needed. And then we can barrel age it in some pappy barrels. Yeah. Good luck and get some pappy <laughs> barrels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, we're not going to be able to produce enough beer to fill up, you know, a whole barrel, but you can actually get like the smaller barrels um, for like homebrew size, like the five gallon or three gallon, whatever you brew. So I, w- I, I would love to do something like that. You can also kind of, you can do like some Oak chips you can add to your beer um, to kind of give it that same, same flavor. Um, it's just not the same though, as, as uh, doing it in a, in a true barrel. But the funny thing was I was actually looking into it. And since there's more, there's less, less surface area, I guess. Uh, and you know, and the, the barrel, you know, a commercial size brewery can put, you know, put the beer in the barrel for, you know, three months, six months, a year. Whereas a home brew, if you're putting it in these small barrels for, you know, it's like two weeks and you'll get a, ton of barrel flavor just because you get it's you know you don't have to worry about the it's it's the the difference of the surface area that's awesome a little bit of inside baseball there for uh for you um yeah maybe we'll do another we've talked a lot about home brewing on the on the show but uh maybe if we if we uh brew a beer with with adam then uh maybe we'll talk talk a little bit about that and talk about the process of actually going through, uh, you know, brewing and things like that. And all the things that Adam tells me that I'm doing wrong. <laughs> so, my daughter, I, I told you about my daughter. She, uh, um, she was asking about the podcast and, you know, she thought you she, also, she thought you were coming here today. Um, oh, sorry so, to let her down. Yeah. But so we're listening to the new, uh, the new EP on Spotify and she said, dad, and she liked it. She said, this sounds like it should be on Scooby-Doo. And I was like, that, that is perfect. That yes. And I don't know if we mentioned that, but in my, that I feel like that was fitting. Yeah. They mentioned that, um, the description of their music is kind of like what they say, uh, um, Quentin Tarantino meets Scooby-Doo or something Mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, maybe they need to reach out to the Scooby-Doo people and, uh, there was just a Scooby Doo movie released. I think it was last year. But yeah. Next, next Scooby Doo movie, wasn't it? Needs some national parks. Yes. So, you ready to drink? I'm ready to drink. I'm let you go first since you are the most recent birthday boy. <laughs> the bourbon portion of our show brought to you by Beard Octane. You know what it is. I don't even have to explain it. If you got a beard, or you want to grow a beard, or you just want to smell good. Keep that hygiene on point. Beard Octane's got it all. Uh, all your beard tools, your beard care. 
if you just want a hat or a mask, go there. Help us out. Make a purchase. Use code Beers and Beards ten. Save ten percent off. And as always, David, free shipping in the continental United States with the order over seventy five dollars. I know that's huge. People hate paying for shipping. I know that 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 shouldn't even be a thing. So, little backstory: the master distiller of the of Peerless Distilling Company is from uh, the the county right next to us. My one of my best friends taught him in high school. He's a graduate alum of Morehead State University and one of the youngest master distillers ever in Kentucky history. I think he's 28. Wow. Uh, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Um, so, uh, and I knew his, his dad's an attorney over there. Uh, but Caleb Kilburn is the master distiller and peerless is in downtown Louisville, like literally downtown Louisville. And it's considered a craft distillery. Now the story behind, uh, their and their first bourbon started coming. Their latest edition of bourbon, uh, started coming of age in 2019. So it's fairly new. Um, but the peerless brand will start in Owensboro back in the, in the late 1800s by a guy named Henry Craver. And he was like this guy from New York and they, they give us the, the, the tour was one of the most, um, historically like, like it was more about the people than it was about court. They got into the distilling and all that. But, uh, once I tell you about the distillery, you'll realize why it was more about the people, but, you know, I think it was 1860. He's involved with a, a bank. First of all, he's from New York. He, the story goes, he hopped on a, on a train or maybe it was a riverboat as a riverboat and was going to go until he ran out of money. And that's where he was going to go stake his fortune. So he leaves New York. He ends up in Owensboro, Kentucky, uh, gets off there. Is just entrepreneur. You know, he starts uh, working for this prominent family there starts as a bartender uh and after like a couple of years buys the bar <laughs> uh then he then he owns a theater out there and then he gets into this this distillery out there and so he runs it from you know the uh, late 1800s up until uh just about the time prohibition is getting ready to start so they dismantle it they sell all the all the distilling equipment to a company in Canada uh, which by the way, turns out to be like the one, one of the biggest manufacturers of all distilling equipment now, like the, you know, the metals and stuff they use. They're the ones that come back in and, you know, put it all together. So, uh, Craver has a son, uh, goes down to, you know, who ends up is a military guy. He was in, I guess, World War II. Didn't have didn't have anything to do with the with the distilling. You know, was military up until he, you know, that was his career. The grandson Corky, who was there the day we at the distillery, um, was more of a you know he was an entrepreneur. You know, like his granddad uh, gets up you know, retires, goes to Florida, says, I can't do this, comes back to Kentucky and they, they open up peerless. So I mentioned the, the number for 
and th- this is highly touted that Peerless puts this on everything, you know, their, their number. Uh, Stitzer Weller is 16. Peerless, impressive, but not 16. They are 50. Oh, wow. it's, it's a, this yeah. was eight, 1870 when this starts. <laughs> wow. 50. Yeah. And, you know, they went, they, uh, the, the peerless name that during the start of prohibition, Craver was selling the, you know, obviously he had tons of barrels that was already full of bourbon. He was selling them, uh, met a guy in Chicago. He didn't have the license to sell the medicinal bourbon through prohibition, but he met these brothers last name Walgreens. Never heard of them. No. So they sold it, the bourbon for him, and it, it was Craver's bourbon. And to this day, you can get yep. Craver's bourbon in Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, the, just the history, man. Like, and I'm semi-sober at this point, you know. Like, I'm soaking it up, man. I love it. I'm impressed you can remember all that. Yeah. So we go through, and and everything looks so new in there. Which you got to think about it. It is new. Um, and I've been to several distilleries and you go, they would walk you through the Rick house and you've got six, seven stories of bourbon all the way up. We go through the distilling process. We cut, they did a great presentation on like the bourbon staves and you know, the, the barrels themselves. And then you turn, turn the corner and you're in the Rick house. Now, Buffalo trace had, just for an example, you know, it's a huge operation. They have seven or eight Rick houses there and on, and several more on multiple locations. We're in the same building <laughs> that they distill it and the Rick house. How many barrels do you think they had on hand of peerless bourbon in the Rick house in Louisville? 250. You're always so close. 300. Okay. About 300. So a true, this is, and, I would consider all this small batch bourbon, you know? Um, So did they talk and, you know, I did, I knew you were going to talk about peerless distillery. Um, Did they talk anything about the sweet mash versus sour mash? Yes. They went through all that um, because I get them sour mash when they, when they're done with it, it just starts the process all over again. I believe yeah, and the sweet so, match don't they just they flush it basically. Yeah, so basically, it looks like the um, so sweet mash, which is a more of a kind of a craft process for me. It kind of reminds me more of um, a craft beer process. So they don't use any back set in the fermentation process. They cook their grains, add the yeast, and let it ferment. Uh, sour mash, which is now the standard, kind of sounds more like what the um, the the larger places would do, just because it's a um, it's you're less likely to have a batch that you know goes bad. Basically, they um, they add uh, they sour the mash and the um, yeast like the sour environment, but bacteria does not. Um, so it's favorable to yeast, favorable to creating the alcohol, but the bacteria doesn't like it. So, um, interesting. And it's, it kind of seems like that sweet mash is like the kind of the older style of, of, uh, you know, distilling, but 
the kind of more commercial way is doing sour mash, which I never knew that there was a difference. And looking up this brewery or this distillery made me look it up. So we're always learning. You always learn something here every week. Yeah. And so as they start up, you know, obviously I'm going to drink their bourbon, but bourbon takes time. They start selling rye whiskey. Um, and we, we tasted a couple of their rye whiskeys. Pretty good. That, you know, I, I, not as good as their bourbon. Now they offer two, two bourbons, uh, with three really. Uh, but they've got the farmer's market, uh, bourbon and the tobacco leaf single barrel. Um, both single barrels. And they showed us in the Rick house, like the, an X meant it was, you know, needed more time. A triangle meant that was going to be, you know, a single barrel and the rest was going to be the small batch. So a uh, little pricey, 750 milliliter of peerless bourbon is going to run you about $125. So I got the 200 milliliter. Uh, it was right at 30 bucks. Which and is you, a pint, right? It's a pint. Yeah. Like to, I got the same amount of Wolf Reserve for $5. <laughs> so, I mean, think about that. But, uh, I mean, and, and the pint has a cork. So, you know how I am with the cork. It is 110.1 proof, 55% alcohol. This is a 200 milliliter bottle of Peerless Bourbon. You know, I love this sound. Ooh. Interesting. That was a little higher, higher pitched than typical. Get the pour. Now, haven't already drank some of this, which I just opened this bottle, but haven't already drank it. I know that the nose. Now this is, you know, they and I asked. I said, "Are there any?" I said, "I know you guys are new, but you're eight. You know, are you going to age this a little more?" And he said, right now we're having success with just, you know, the, the four year. So this is a four year old bourbon. And there was no, there were no barrels older than four years in the Rick house. Um, interesting. But the nose I thought was interesting because it doesn't for being a four year old, I still get that, that char. Uh, it's real light. I think you would enjoy it. It's a real light nose. Uh, do you know what the burn after you drink bourbon, what that's called? The backwash. No, David, it's called the Kentucky hug. Kentucky hug. That's right. So yeah, I really, I mean, to I be honest, t-shirt. if you know, we tried the Jefferson's last week and that's a, that's a pricier bourbon. Um, I, I think if this would be, if you're in the market one for a, a let, I think this was only available in 24 states and they are not, there's no, it doesn't go out internationally at all. Even Could still, I mean, that's, that's huge for a, a new, you know, basically startup craft distillery, you know, to be in 24 states. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. And it's pricey, but if, if you're looking for, I, I feel like honestly, a fifth of this is going to be collectible. My, uh, one of my friends, Matt Stoke, shout out to him. He's got a signed fifth uh, from the master distiller, Caleb himself. He hates oh, bourbon, awesome. so <laughs> so that'll be, uh, that'll be staying there for a while, right? Oh, it's yeah, it's a, it'll be a collector's <laughs> piece. Like I'm looking at my collection right now, and I'm proud of the fact that every one of these bourbons have been opened, except for next week's selection, which I got for my birthday. I'm saving it for next week. 
it's not surprise over. surprise episode surprise surprise edition i'm gonna start my own podcast like david and just <laughs> drink a different bourbon every week every week just all right space didn't get drunk all right nose is good let's hit it it so the palate i feel like on a newer bourbon like that it's definitely spicier now we they tried to get us to talk about the 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 notes you know the the bourbon notes as you said last week yes um and the guy giving the tour is like listen i drink this every day and i can't i can't tell he said i've had people from out of state come and want a dropper like a, a dropper of water and they said that makes all the difference um i'm the water guy yeah uh but you know they talk about the florals and the honeysuckle and the leather and <laughs> like no i don't like i get a really as far as bourbon goes i do get a sweeter i don't get the floral part but i get the sweeter texture on the palate and then the kentucky hug on this one is real brief like almost real time. You know what I mean? You're only going to feel it as, until it hits your stomach and then it's gone. So it doesn't linger. It's not, you know, which I think is a to each his own. But for me, I don't want a, a heartburn feel, you know, yeah, 30, 45 wild, seconds wild after I drink feel. the bourbon. Yeah. I don't want the wild, even though I, will, I feel like I'm going to have to drink some wild turkey sooner or later. Um, you know, and this makes you want to go back and hit it again. So it's, uh, I don't know, man. I would, for a more craft bourbon and a more uh, pricier bourbon, I would put this up. It's not my favorite, but like I would, I would share this whole pint with you right now. And I think we'd both enjoy it. Yeah. This, so, you know, I'm the, the craft guy, the craft beer, craft mm-hmm. anything, but. I'm really curious to try this. And I think, you know, a fun thing to do too would be there's, there's some craft distilleries, both in Ohio and in Northern Kentucky. Like we've got second sight spirits, which is really cool. And they're doing some cool stuff. New riff, which is awesome. They've got like a, um, their tasting room is back open now. Um, and they're right next to party source in, in Northern Kentucky. So we've definitely got to go out and do a, I think a bourbon experience together and um, whether it be at a craft distillery or something like that, or um, at a um, at a bigger place, but I, I would be curious to go to a place like a Peerless or Second Sight and see their operation versus you know kind of one of the bigger places. So we definitely got to keep that in mind. But yeah, it, it it is cool to see you know even in a state like Kentucky, which produces so much bourbon and there's so many huge distilleries. And well-known names that, you know, a place like Peerless seems to be doing really well, even as kind of a startup craft distillery. Yeah, they were booked. First of all, both distilleries booked tight all day on tours. Um, And what was odd, not odd, but, you know, it's a craft distillery. So Stitzelweller, it's sprawling. It's like on a campus, right? Experimental room, Rick houses, (laughs) all that stuff. This is all in one building. Like this is all from front to back, you know, uh, smaller than a Walmart, you know, or, or a small Kroger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's all, even the bottling was there. Um, 
So yeah, they, and they just had one big cooker, six vats to hold it. Small operation, but I like it, man. I like it. What you got for us on the beer side this week? All right, beer side. So beer, we kind of talked. I gave you a little bit of a hint. Um, I guess like a week ago, week and a half ago. I have been going through a journey that started in August. <laughs> it's a long journey. You're but, a basic uh, white guy, you know? No, so I am a huge Oktoberfest beer fan. And Cincinnati, with its German heritage, you know, used to be the hugest, you know, the biggest, hugest, biggest, uh, uh, basically used to be a big, you know, is a was a hub for German immigration. And there's lots of German influence in the city. The hugest. Hugest. And uh, that's going to be our uh, thing that's going to get cut up this week for uh, Instagram. But uh, so a lot of influence, uh, German influence in Cincinnati. Uh, We have the biggest Oktoberfest celebration outside of Germany uh, in Cincinnati every year. I don't know if people knew that or not. It did not happen this year. Um, But every brewery makes an Oktoberfest. And in the past, you would get like, you know, three or four that would can them and, and be in package uh, this year, uh, partially because of COVID and people are buying more package beer and less uh, draft beer. 18 different Oktoberfest style beers were packaged just based out of Cincinnati. That's absolutely crazy and mind-blowing. So me being me and wanting to complete a challenge and a task and a test, I set out to drink all of them all the packaged ones almost made it through still trying to finish it. But I posted this week since we're getting toward the end of Oktoberfest season uh, on my website, MMAMcKenny.com basically grading. There's not like a letter grade or anything like that, or, you know, ABC 1098, whatever. Um, But basically the best uh, I, I grouped them in three different groups. The best always good. And the others, which I put in alphabetical order. Um, so the best I came up with was were four different beers. And Oktoberfest is, again, a style. I used to be a huge hophead. Um, any IPA that I could find, um, I would drink. I still am. Um, I, also, I used to be, but I also still am. But I've been getting more into um, the malty beers and lagers and things like that. And Oktoberfest especially once the weather hits anything under 80 when it's fall season, uh, which is a state of mind as Gary knows, but uh, the, it just hits a different, you know, it's, it's a different feeling, um, which I think is me appreciating multi beers has kind of gotten me more into why I have gotten more into bourbon and things like that. But anyway, long story short, uh, I had four, uh, uh, Oktoberfest beers that I thought were the best uh, in Cincinnati specifically. Um, number f- four uh, was Sonder Oktoberfest. So it's a fest beer, a little spicy. Uh, number three, Rheingeist France, which is a Marzen. Technically not a lager because they brew it with an ale yeast. Uh, a little sweeter, a little lighter. Um, and uh, definitely... Add, they, they have a little bit of hops in theirs as well. I'm going to skip number two because that's the one that I'm drinking tonight. But number one is Samuel Adams. 
Oktoberfest. And you might ask, like, why Sam Adams? That's a Boston beer. But people don't know. A lot of Sam Adams beer, including their Oktoberfest, is actually brewed in Cincinnati. And this that's a perfect Oktoberfest beer for me. Uh, perfect representation of the style. Beautiful color. Nice, like, rich amber color. <clears throat> Always has a nice thick head on the beer. Subtle sweet finish. Uh, and 5.3% uh, alcohol. So it's it's one that you can drink all day, half the day, whatever you want to do. But uh, number two, because I wanted to stick to a kind of a more um, local option is 50 West Brewing. Uh, their beer canned for the first time in 2020. Wienermobile, 5.9% fast beer. Um, this is one that I'd had before and kind of wrote off a little bit, but, uh, I'm going to give it a, give it a try. And, uh, yeah, you definitely, I mean, the thing with Oktoberfest beers is you get that, that lager yeast, which if you, if you're like me, you drink a lot of craft beer, you're used to like that ale yeast or in a lot of hops, definitely not heavy on the hops in this beer. Um, it's a little sweeter smelling, um, which uh, you know I can I can explain beer much better than I can uh, explain the taste <laughs> or the uh, <laughs> tasting notes of bourbon. Um, but uh, yes, I'm gonna give it a try. So this is definitely very crisp. Um, you know, today, which we're recording this on Thursday, where it's a little bit warmer. Um, than it has been and it's a perfect you know I've been outside all day doing yard work and this was like basically what I was craving is a nice like bready malty beer that's also super crisp um, and you get a lot of a lot of flavor in it as well um, this has you get some like honey flavors they say hazelnut I don't really get any hazelnut but um, they brew it with pilsner biscuit malt and munich malts uh which is very very complex malt backbone um but it's german hops which give it that light clean finish um i mean just a fantastic beer it's you know the reason why i put it in my top you know four or five is is it's just one of those that for an oktoberfest beer i want a beer that i'm gonna be at an oktoberfest celebration and i'm drinking a lot of these. I'm not drinking one. I'm not drinking two. I'm drinking double digits, right? If you've ever seen Oktoberfest celebrations, you don't go to drink, you know, one or two. You go to drink a lot. And uh, that's what's great about Oktoberfest. You go to get drunk. That's right. But yeah, so uh, every week um, our uh, beer tasting is brought to you by Audible, audibletrial.com forward slash beers and beards get yourself a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook and uh, this week i'm uh reading beer craft which is if you're into brewing beer if you want to start brewing beer it's a perfect way they tell you how to do one gallon home brew on your kitchen stove um and they got lots of recipes lots of processes um if you want to try brewing beer but you don't want to get into buying a ton of equipment or doing five gallons at a time, which is a commitment. A gallon is like 10 to 11 bottles of beer. And if it's bad, 
you can just dump it and you're, you're no worse for the wear. So check out this book, Beer Craft, and uh, get get start home brewing. It's fun. Maybe. <laughs> Here's why you don't want to homebrew, right? Or I guess it depends on what you what you're going to do with it, but um, something that. I guess you can attribute to COVID-19 and just the industry itself. David Washington post says we have too much beer, soda and seltzer and not enough cans. Who would have thought can shortage 2020. <laughs> and I kind of knew this. I knew this because I, I, I say I knew this. I felt this because I drink diet Mountain Dew yeah. uh, generally in cans. And I, so I do my, you know, Kroger pickup. And for like three weeks in a row, I kept getting denied the cans of dot Mountain Dew. I could go in there and buy like the six pack bottles, you know, whatever, but you know, the 12 or 24 pack cans, they just didn't have. So I felt this personally, but, uh, looking at this article, uh, ball corp, which it's crazy because I, I grew up in a family that canned a lot of things. And what are those jars? They're ball jars, right? So I guess it's just a thing, but uh, they're they're way behind. Tell us about this. Yeah, so you know it's been kind of in the industry. There have been whispers. There's been, hey, there might be a can shortage coming down the line. Um, but I think that nobody realized the extent uh, that it it was hitting. Just in the U.S. alone, in 2020. The U.S. is 10 billion cans short in 2020. And we've got, what, three less than three months to go. And that's absolutely crazy. 10 billion. 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 Also, don't forget to recycle. So, yeah. So, the big big corporations, Pepsi, Coke, Anheuser-Busch, Molson Coors, they're going to be fine. The people that are going to be feeling this are the little guys. Um you know, they talked in this article in the Washington Post about Duke Law, which is a brewery in uh, Baltimore running out of cans every week. Um, it's crazy just seeing, you know, and, and luckily I, you know, I feel like we haven't felt it yet, but I think that we're going to start feeling it. And the thing with like, you know, um, you know, soda or pop or whatever you want to call it is they actually can go into, um, plastic which you know of course plastic is not as good as can just because aluminum is so easy to recycle but there really aren't a lot i mean there are glass bottles but it just is not as practical i think in today's day and age um, for glass bottles but yeah it's it's interesting seeing seeing this and i don't know what we're gonna do we might run out we might just have to start drinking straight out of taps which I'm not opposed to doing. You know, in Canada, they bag their milk. What you about just beer take, bags? Like, a Kroger bag? I, I think it's it. more detailed than just, <laughs> I think, you know, it's a process, but what if we had bagged beer? I'm definitely a proponent of, like, reusable, like, options, like growlers. I don't know if you know what that, like a glass bottle you can go mm-hmm. to your local brewery, get that filled up. Um I think we need to bring back refillable, refillable bottles. You know, the, the glass pop bottles. I, you know, we were talking about homebrewing. You said that's why you shouldn't homebrew. 
I actually reuse all my milk bottles jugs. and home brewing. Yeah, I put my my home brewed milk jugs. It's actually might not be a bad idea, but I I reuse all of the glass bottles. And if they're if I buy like a six pack with bottles and the labels are easy to take off, I use those too. You got to be, dare I say it, crafty in these yes. rough times. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting, and hopefully hopefully that gets shored up. But, you know, $10 billion seems like a lot. But that's like, how many, how many, that's like a week for Coke. Yeah, I mean, you think, <laughs> you think about just what's on the shelf, not what's being consumed, just what's in inventory right now. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, so we we're got talking about billions of cans. Yeah, billions. What? Which? I don't know. I feel the crazy thing too. If you've ever been to like a brewery that cans, the amount of space that cans, like pallets of cans, take up is kind of overwhelming. Like I've been on brewery tours, like even craft breweries, and see like, hey, we're about to can this beer, and it takes up half of their space that they have. It's kind of ridiculous i don't know it's uh i mean no matter what your take on this whole virus is is fastly becoming and has already been detrimental to um small businesses and it definitely hits these these markets like we're talking about craft breweries uh, the little guy that's trying to, you know, just make a buck. I, I watched something, I think it was on NPR about the, the demise of your local, uh, like music halls and things. Yeah. It's horrible. But, you know, we're talking about the, the can shortage again. I think we can blame not only the, the whole COVID crisis on one thing, but also the can shortage we can blame on hard seltzer, white claw. There you go. Uh, if people, if those people stuck to drinking wine coolers like Aaron Garrett does, we would have been fine. That's right. Bartles and Janes. <laughs> well, I'll leave you guys on this note for the year. Just a happy little thought. Uh, since we, we talked about Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, looks like 2020, uh, there will be even uh, less Pappy Van Winkle. That's the whole line. The the Rip Van Winkle 10-year-old all the way up into the Van Winkle Family Reserve Rye. There will be a shortage. But the good news, the good news, if there is any good news to this, they're not, they're not raising the prices. Yeah. Well, they might not be, but secondary market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to get um, raised. They say with the the amount of 10, 12, and 15-year-old will be about the same as previous years, the 20- and 23-year-old barrels yielded far fewer bottles this fall. And that they don't know. That's the thing. They don't know how much they're going to get. You know, you've got the two big factors, right? You've got the devil's cut, which is what soaks into the barrel. And then you've got the angel share, and that's the evaporation. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's that time where we tell you, completely unrelated to beards, beer, or bourbon, what you should listen to this week. Okay, other than us. Other than National Barks. Listen to them. National Barks. They're already on the playlist. 
Yes. So, Beers and Beards playlist on Spotify. Um, check it out. It's awesome. We have some great songs. I loved the story about um, how it was Joe's song last week that was added to the playlist. Knock three times. You told me the story about your mom loves that song. My mom, shout out to my mom. You know, one of our biggest fans. She she loves listening to us. Now, she's a little biased. She doesn't I, even know me. She doesn't know David, but she says, you know, we're we're good for each other. She we, says you're we, you're her favorite member of the podcast. <laughs> I might be her second favorite. I don't know. But yeah, so check it out. So I mentioned this last week and uh you know, we had a lot of, it's kind of, our playlist is kind of a sausage fest. Oh, you're going to talk about having a girl. Yeah. So this week, um, basically multiple reasons. Um, but the biggest reason is my wife loves this artist or she has been really into this artist recently and has been playing it almost nonstop, not Taylor Swift. Um, but for her birthday, I'm going to add Dolly Parton to our playlist, Jolene. There uh, you go. So if that's you a classic. Wanna, it is a classic. And she's been really into Dolly Parton recently, um, which is very cool. Dolly Parton is an American treasure. Um, and I love Dolly Parton, probably not for the same reason Angie loves Dolly Parton, but mm-hmm. she is aged beautifully. <laughs> she is. And I want to go to, is it, what is it, Dolly World in uh, Tennessee? I've driven yeah. back there. But uh, we should go. Yeah, we should go. You like roller they, coasters, right? Yeah. They, and they've got, there's actually a brewery not too far from there that I've been wanting to go to. I've been in that area. It's in, I think it's technically in Gatlinburg or Sevierville. Um, <clears throat> but I, I want to go to, um, uh, Shoot, it's a farm brewery. Now it's, the name is escaping me. But uh, yeah, let's hear what your uh, your addition to the playlist this week is. I will go with a female lead. It's, it's not a uh, it's a group, but uh, no, no. But they, I saw where they're up like three hundred percent on streams because of the cranberry juice guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, so people, people just discovering Fleetwood Mac, I feel sorry for him because I've known them since I was a little kid. Backstory to this one. I'm scrolling Facebook uh, and I see there's a live, like a Facebook live going on. And it's um, Amy Lee from Evanescence. And I hadn't even thought about Evanescence in forever. You know, they were early 2000s. You know, they were the like that. I don't know. They were awesome music um, in that whole rock scene, but they're still making music. So who knew that? So stop. They talked about the new album coming out. Um, their new song, use my voice. I think it's, it's, it's a political, I think it's about uh, getting out to vote and all that. And just 2020 in general and having your voice heard. So this week, check out Amy Lee with Evanescence. Use my voice. All right. Not one that I've heard, so I'm going to check that out. There you go. Put her in there. All righty. 
that's uh that's your playlist let us know do we have any followers david this this on the playlist we have you that's all that matters i think yeah so people have definitely listened to it and people have commented to me about the playlist but i think i think following a playlist is not really a thing right but people have definitely commented about the playlist and we've gotten a lot of good feedback from our national barks episode um I think it's like our second or third most popular episode behind the drunk episode, Gary drunk episode. So um, yeah, it also aired in its entirety on urban artifact radio. You didn't know your boys was reaching out to new media. Yeah. So we're getting, we're getting pretty big. Um, yeah. Uh, also check out my other project. Oh, go ahead and plug it. Three adventures. I have started on a weekly because it's so weird talking to yourself. I've started like reaching out to people to say, Hey, do you want to talk about this brewery with me? And, uh, this past week I had, um, Adina, Michael Amon from Adina distributing on to talk about Brink brewing, which is in Cincinnati, uh, and Adina, which is a local distributor and they focus on small craft distrib- uh, breweries is going to start, um, distributing Brink brewing two time, Great American Beer Festival winner of Very Small Brewery of the Year. Um, and they are, it looks, sounds like, you know, they've got their own distributor now. Sounds like they're going to you know, be doing some expansion here in the next year or so. And, and if you are a fan of Brink like I am, then that's great news for you. Great news for beer in general. Hopefully they can find some cans to put their beer in. But uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, Brewery Adventures, you can get it on all the, all your fit wherever you listen to this you can also get brewery adventures if you listen to it on spotify soundcloud stitcher google podcast apple Podcasts. i don't think we're on uh amazon whatever we gotta get us on who, there who listens to amazon i don't we know gotta, i don't know we might that might we might be uh missing a huge market but happy That's birthday it. to everybody happy birthday to gary Happy birthday to Angie. Happy birthday to Juan, whose birthday is this week. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to Aaron Garrett, who I gave a birthday in October, so he didn't feel left out. That's right. There's a lot of October birthdays, which, you know, those are cold January nights, right? That's right. Clapping (laughs) cheeks in the snow. (laughs) That's actually the next National Barks EP. uh, uh, Clapping cheeks. Don't forget to go hit up uh, the new EP on all the streaming platforms. If you buy it, I think part of that money goes to, uh, or all the money goes yeah, to a charity. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Adam is independently wealthy. Yeah. He actually, yeah. Well, he is actually. Yeah. He's uh, worth about $7 billion. Adam Bezos is his name. <laughs> Until next week. Find us on all the social medias. Go to MMAMcKinney.com to see what we've uh, what we've had throughout our 23 weeks. Which, shout out to us, we've not missed a week in 23 weeks. I know, we're pretty, it's impressive. We are disciplined. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next time.